Hey, everybody. Welcome to Awaken Life. You're listening right here on KKNW 1150 AM. And thanks to the Internet, we're coming to you worldwide at uh, www.adamseward.com. This is a very special show for me today. I'm actually here in the studio. Uh, well, it's Eric's here. It's good to have you here, Eric. But I don't have... Uh, <laughs> good afternoon. I'm- yeah. Nice. Long time no see. I know. It's, it's been a few weeks. Hopefully you had a great holiday season, though. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was really good. Um, but yeah, Paul and Rick aren't going to be with us today, but we're, we're going to be actually bringing on the show a, a guest that we've had in the past, uh, Greg McBride. I don't know if you remember, but absolutely. Yeah. He's cool to have him back. It's going to be really great to have him back. He's a, um, he's a dear friend, colleague, uh, a mentor of mine, someone who I've spent a lot of time with. And we're going to be actually going through his book, Integrity's Insights. Um, in the last, uh, Last time we had him on, we went through the four principles, which are really a, a beautiful map to live by. They're um, gratitude, honesty, uh, love, and forgiveness. And uh, today what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through. He has so, there's some amazing snippets. He has little, uh, I mean, some of them are one-liners and some of them are, 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 you know, a few paragraphs, but they're just very concise, uh, w- practical ways that a person can practice and live integrity in their daily lives. So we're actually going to go to our first break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have Greg uh, with us on the phone. And uh, we're looking forward to, to sharing his work uh, with all of you. So thanks for listening to Waking Up. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Adam Seward. And I'm Rick Seward. And together we have partnered to bring you Awakened Life as part of our commitment to supporting the unfolding of human and planetary consciousness. That's also why we decided to create the Awakening Foundation. Well, what's the Awakening Foundation? The Awakening Foundation is a nonprofit organization that's designed to help facilitate the evolution of consciousness through the creation and distribution of what we're calling Awakened Media. We'd love to connect with you. For more information on the Awakening Foundation, go to adamseward.com. If you'd like to find out more or to talk with us about how you can support the mission, fill out the contact form and we'll get back to you right away. Thanks for listening to Awaken Life. We look forward to connecting with you. Kidsan Hot Yoga of Bellevue is a brand new hot yoga studio in Bellevue, Washington. Come join a beautiful yoga community and become part of something greater than yourself. Hot yoga has so many tremendous benefits, which include allowing your muscles to stretch deeper than they would at room temperature while detoxifying your body and working out on a micro and macro level. If you have aches and pains or are just searching for an active and meditative workout, Hot yoga is for you. Temperatures range from 98 to 105 degrees and postures focus on strength, endurance, and balance while simultaneously working your organs, nervous system, and glands. This is a comprehensive workout, and more importantly, it's an opportunity to go deeper within yourself and heal your mind and body from the inside out. More info at GetZenYoga.com. That's GetZenYoga.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Awaken Life. Like I told you before the break, we have a special, special guest with us today. This is someone that I've known for for my entire life. 
and um, someone that, that I've uh, come to really respect the work of and, and uh, have developed a relationship over a number of years um, that, that has just, uh, you know, flowered into what now, now he, he's my colleague, uh, he is my friend, um, and uh, it's just so great to have you on the show with us today, Greg. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Adam. I sure, I sure appreciate it. The, uh, the interesting story of, of you and I, um, just to let the audience know, if yeah. you haven't all told them, was that, that you were eight years old when you came into my office the first time. Your your dad wanted you to, to have a, a teacher, um, someone that could really um, be there to meet not not just emotional needs, but, but your father saw a very special, special spirit inside of you, Adam, and wanted you to have more of a spiritual teacher <laughs> than at all uh, a counselor. And you, from the time you were just a little guy, had questions, and, and you brought out in me just such wonderful opportunity to go places with mm. you that I couldn't go to with with the adults that were coming into my practice to meet with me. Well, you know, this this last year was so fun for me, Greg, because sorry to interrupt, but this last year was so fun for me because I met Thomas. And Thomas is, you know, I because Greg and I now we work together. We actually share office uh, an office suite together and uh, we both work as counselors. And, um, but Greg, you know, you remember I, I met this, this Thomas, this young Thomas who, uh, I, I felt like as soon as I met him, I just knew he was, he was, uh, my Adam, you know, he was the client for me that I was for you. <laughs> Isn't that great? So, you know, what you, you said, you've said some of this before, but I feel like I understand it today, you know, and just as of in the last year, uh, on an, on an even deeper level. Well, I want to say, Adam, thank you for the um, the opportunity that that being with you has provided for me to really challenge myself to go to deeper, broader levels, mm. and I've done so because of you. Thank you for that. Well, you're welcome, and you know they say that you know we teach what we most need to learn, and uh-huh. um, that's part of what I appreciate so much about the counseling process and and working as a psychotherapist is that you know. It's uh, it's those clients that that are sort of reflecting back to us, you know, our our own uh, potential um, that seem to be the ones that are drawn to us uh, and yeah. that show up. So, <laughs> oh. yeah. and look how far we've come. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's been a great, it's been a wonderful journey. Thank you. So your book, uh, Greg, Integrity's Insights. I mean, I, just so the listeners know, I, I keep this right next to my um, the couch in my office, uh, you know, open to you know, I'll change the page, but I just keep it there because I think that you know, it's 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 35 years. It's 35 years that you've spent, um, you know, counseling individuals and coming to uh, certain insights, and you know, hence the name Integrity's Insights. And uh, a funny story is that when you, when I first started counseling, I came into my office, and we're in the same suite. I came into my office, and there was this pile of note cards 
sitting there. And I started looking at them, and what I realized was, you know, these were these were your insights that eventually came into the book, and I still have them in my office today. <laughs> these, it's a stack of note cards that are so they're that are very precise points for you know any counselor to to use in their approach with their clients. Yeah, th- thank you, Adam. Just so the audience um, knows what these note cards are, I I, I um. Over the course of, of a few months, I just put thoughts that came to mind for me onto these file cards. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just, it was just, a, a sort of this, this free thought that came out into writing onto, onto note cards. And these, these cards eventually, um, went into the book that you're talking about, Adam. So those, those are the note cards that you're referring to. Right, right. And these are what I thought we would do today is, um, you know, go through. I've actually, I actually have them here with me, and um, <laughs> it's an, you know, they're fun. I mean, they're they're and 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 a lot of what's in the book are these are these cards. Is that correct? I mean, it, yeah. a lot. It, what what these were eventually became the book. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So are you going to read off the cards? I'm going to read these off, and then maybe we can, um, you know, flush them out a little bit, if that's okay oh, with you. Wonderful. wonderful. So this one I've used um, a number of times. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm just going to read it. It says, another's disappointment says that you're important enough to to them to want to hope. That's a compliment to you. It says here, Thank you for caring enough about me, about our time together, to be disappointed that what we'd hoped would happen didn't. Thank you. <laughs> it's when others stop being disappointed that we need to be worried. You're worth the risk of another's disappointment. You you are, and that's a good thing. And, and isn't that funny? That that card came out of um, uh, sort sort of a common a common issue that most people come into my office around, and that is. There, uh, one's fear or preoccupation or hypervigilance even around avoiding being disappointing to another. Yes. And it, 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 it is that one factor that most changes, unfortunately, to the negative, uh, marital relationships where just the openness of communication over, over a period of time gets changed to each person now being rather strategic in what it is they say, if they even say anything, to avoid the disappointment from their spouse or, or in generally from, from another period. So, so it was that note card came out of helping people to find another way of looking at another's disappointment mm-hmm. than something to be apologetic for or to avoid and and to look at someone's hope which is what we're ultimately disappointing as a real as a place of another's honor of us that they were really hoping that we'd be home by six o'clock so that when the babysitter got there we could leave right away for our (laughs) evening together and to find out that no there's been a, a, a meeting that's been called and we're not going to be rolling in until about 7.30 or so 
And when we hear that disappointment in the other, to be able to say, I'm so disappointed, too. Mm-hmm. And so thank you. Thank you for for being disappointed that our time together would matter as much to you as it does me as well to yeah. feel the disappointment that you do feel. It, it seems as though a lot of people, when they experience someone else's disappointment, uh, there's a, a natural tendency to, well, first of all, oh, there's some, oh, you're disappointed. Well, there's something, that means there's something wrong. There's a problem, first of all, which yeah. we know there, we know there are no problems. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh, and second, that there's something I should do to fix it or to, you know, to change what is rather than accepting it, it. There's something I should do to change it. But I feel like, you know, what you're expressing through this is, there's a as as a way of really accepting another person's experience rather than trying to change it or fix it. That's that's right, Adam. Exactly. And and what we tend to do is we tend to defend and explain um, why why you know we 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 have to go to this meeting and and our explaining and defending actually sounds to the person who's hearing our explanation as though we're justifying that absence and that we're telling the other you shouldn't be disappointed. Right. And, and instead, that, that if we can just lean into that disappointment and to hear the compliment of it and to say to that, to that person, thank you. Thank you for feeling the same disappointment I feel, too. I know it can feel counterintuitive, but it's really what the other person wants to hear. It's what we're feeling anyway. We're feeling disappointed. We'd mm-hmm. rather be at dinner than at a stupid meeting. Yeah. And and it's a it's a much cleaner and more honest way of communicating. Because if we defend or explain ourselves, we're just telling the other person that what they're feeling is wrong. And that's not the direction we want to move in. Definitely not if you want to live an awakened life. Yeah, well put. You know, I mean, part of what we talk about is, you know, awakening is is one part of it, you know, coming to know. And by that, we talk about really coming to know your God self, um, but then showing up, which is, you know, actually living and expressing that through your relationships. And part of that, I think, is, you know, knowing how to deal with another person's humanity, right? I mean, isn't that part of navigating the territory of an awakened life is is really being able to um, to hold to hold and accept everything that's arising. Yeah, and I think it begins with ourselves that we look at our own humanity, not with judgment or self criticism, but we look at our own humanity with compassion. That mm-hmm. we recognize that our bodies and minds are really trying to do the best job of representing us that they can. And that we not shame or blame or criticize it. That that um, that we're compassionate. That our blood sugar um, isn't always at a level that that it needs to be at because we've just forgotten to eat that day. <laughs> and that our bodies are really representing not who we are, but more the symptom of low blood sugar or the symptom of stress or the symptom of fatigue. I've got a I've got one of your quotes here that relates yes. to this. It says there's who we be, <laughs> right? And there's well, what we do. 
Nice segue. Okay. It says, <laughs> it says between who we be and what we do is stuff. And you, it's spelled S-T-U-P-H, right? So, so there's who we be. That's who you are, right? That's who you, that's, that's pure love. It's who you've always been created in the image and likeness of God. And then there's what we do. Uh, but it's in between who we be and what we do. You've got it here. Hormonal stuff, fatigue stuff, stress stuff, low blood sugar stuff, unresolved family of origin related stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, I see in you today over, over two decades later, I see those parts of you, Adam, that were exactly that eight-year-old boy that yeah. sat across from me. Uh, <laughs> there is an essence of who we are that's mm-hmm. always been, will always be, it's who we are now. And and then there's, there is that other stuff, those other factors of our bodies and of our psyches that, that kind of uh, at times dilute or totally misrepresent who we are. Mm. And that's where the grace of forgiveness comes in. When we ask for forgiveness, what we're doing is we're saying, in essence, I hope that you know that what I did doesn't represent very well who I am. Yes. Looking for forgiveness is that reminder to ourselves and to another in that act of of forgiveness that, that what I did is not who I am. And if I were to have done better in line with who I am, this is what I would have said differently, or this is what I would have done differently. I hope you know that. Please forgive me. Right, which is one of the principles, forgiveness, one of the four principles of integrity. Uh, One of the four, one of the four principles of integrity. What Adam's talking about is that I, I have subscribed to four cornerstones of my own integrity. Yeah. And that is love, honesty, forgiveness of myself and of others, and gratitude. Those four have been my cornerstones of which I try, not always successfully, of course, but I try to act out of. And when I don't act out of one of those four, love, honesty, forgiveness, and gratitude, that's where I make amends and say I'm sorry. Right, right. You say here, good self-care cleans out the cutter, the clutter of stuff so that more of the purity and honesty of who I be can show itself in whatever it is that I do. Clean house. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's why the, the selfishness of self-care is that when I take care of myself, I can then be the husband that represents who I am. I can be the dad that better represents who I am. I can be the counselor that better. I can be the friend. I can be the driver southbound 405 yeah. that represents who I am. Yes. Yeah. You can be, you know, it's. I think of it, too, as like the purest expression of love possible. Yeah, well put, Adam. Well put. Right. So, okay, here's a here's a here's a very one that relates to forgiveness very well. It says, "Of course, yes, uh, always." It says, "Of course, you feel hurt. It makes sense that you would. Just be careful. The one who did what they did did so out of their sense of victimization. At this moment, you're left with two choices: one, see their victim and raise them five victims, or two, forgive them. It's your choice." 
Yes, yes. What I mean by that is that very often when we feel victimized by another, it's not at all because the other woke up that morning and said, gee, how can we victimize um, Greg or Adam? Yeah. But but that what they said or did that was hurtful came out of their place of themselves feeling victimized. We can either see them as our persecutors and 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 raise them five victims. I'll see you <laughs> and I'll raise you five. Right, right. We can have compassion and we can see and assume that that comes from a place in them of hurt and that we can we can be compassionate and to say to say, Sharon, I I understand that for you to have said what you said and tells me that, that you're feeling some hurt. What can I do? How can I be there for you? Right. So that we're empowered rather than victimized. Right. Isn't I mean, it seems like the victim identity really is about powerlessness. It, 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 the victim mentality is really about our need to be right. <laughs> our need to be right about how others are hurting us, right. how others don't care about or appreciate us, how right. others don't value us, how right. others don't love us. Being right. Yeah. And there, and right about the fact that, that, we are helpless and powerless against, you know, what the other people or situations are doing, how they're showing up. Yeah, and that's right. I think what you're saying is that that until they change yes. what they say, until they change what they do, we will forever be victims. Yes. Rather, it, it, that's like pushing a rope. It, 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 it doesn't empower us. We can't do anything until they change. Or... We put that instead in in our side of the court and say, okay, now how can I look at this differently? It's not about being right, but it's about being empowered. Mm. That puts it puts it in a way that feels good and empowering and compassionate mm. on our side of the court. It's it sounds like too that you know from that place uh, you really can choose you have a choice in terms of what your relationship to life and is going to be from from now, a, from from you know liberating from the victim well put and that adam i think you just nailed it that's really what determines ultimately the quality and meaningfulness of our lives is that we recognize and that we live out of a place of choice that there's not a thing we have to do. There's not a thing we should do. We don't have to stop at red light. We don't have to drive the speed limit. We don't have to pay taxes. These are all choices. Our have-tos just make us victims. Our choices make us empowered. Mm. <laughs> so here's one more before we go to break. It says, if you, okay. if you really do believe, if you really do trust, that you're deserving of another's kindness and respect, then wouldn't it make more sense to be confused rather than angry and defensive when you're treated otherwise? (laughs) 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 And then at the bottom you have, well, well, think about it, will you, please? (laughs) (laughs) And and that's right. That we establish an assumed reference that, of course, 
all people would re- be respectful of us, that, of course, people would be kind and loving of us, so that if there is behavior that is contradictory of that, that we're, we're not angry, we're, we're just a little confused. And that's when we turn to our teenager and say, honey, I'm sorry, I, I'm, a, I'm a little confused. Were you, were you just being disrespectful? Are you okay? And it is, it is in that acknowledgement that we see the better good in another yes. rather than assume that they're out to victimize us that completely transforms interpersonal relationships. Right. When you took my car and rammed it through the back of the garage door, what was, <laughs> how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, uh, oh. It's not. Yeah, Marty, it's not like you to be inattentive. What 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 happened? Are, are you are you okay? Right, you okay? right, right. Oh, all right. Well, everybody, we're talking to Greg McBride, and we're really getting into what it means to show up in our lives through uh, his book, Integrity's Insights. We're going to go to break. Uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Awaken Life. Are you upside down on your home loan and facing foreclosure? Washington's Foreclosure Fairness Act takes effect on July 13th and requires your mortgage holder to grant you a face-to-face meeting to negotiate modifications to your loan that may let you keep your house. More than 5,600 homes were seized in the first three months of this year in the state of Washington. Don't let this happen to you. Visit foreclosurefairness.net. That's foreclosurefairness.net or call 206-818-9732, your home safety net. Call the Oprah of radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off traditional talk radio. Get ready for powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon on AM 1150, KKNW, and visit thedrpatshow.com. Listen to the Marie Manucherry Show, where energy and medicine meet every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. It's intelligent and provocative radio. Tuesdays is boot camp for the soul to help you soar. Thursdays, Marie interviews guests from an incredibly talented lineup. To learn more about Marie and her radio show, visit energyintuitive.com or connect with her on Facebook and Twitter. That's the Marie Manucherry Show, every Tuesday and Thursday at noon here on Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to Awaken Life. Real talk, right here, right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Awaken Life. This is a special show today. We're talking to Greg McBride, author of Integrity's Insights, uh, dear friend and beloved colleague of mine. And we're really exploring what does it mean to show up in our lives. Uh, we, you've woke, you've awoken, you've wake, you've woke up to who you are. Uh, now, what does it mean to act like it? So, uh, so Greg, when before we went to break, um, we were talking about um, some of these these cards that you have, and I have one in front of me now. It says, "Trust more in another's love of you than you ever will trust again in your fear or unworthiness." 
or in your insecurities. <laughs> a trust assumed without need that it be proved. A courage to trust at the risk of being wrong. In return, a strength that will now forever be yours because you dared to trust no matter what the outcome, no matter what the risk, no matter what the loss. Uh, thank you, Adam. That card really came out of many, many occasions of having couples in my office, one or both, feeling afraid that the other doesn't love them, mm. afraid that the other doesn't value them, afraid that the other will leave them. And that fear all based in what, what they've assumed to be true their whole lives. One of those assumptions is if you really get to know who I am, you'll see me as the nothing that I know myself to be. Mm. And it's really deciding to change that assumption to, to instead come from a place of assuming that we are loved and that we're valued that we say that to our fear, we say that to our insecurity, that we trust in that person's love rather than forcing them to prove it and usually having them being wrong in the process. That, yeah, you got me flowers, but you only got me flowers because I asked for them. You didn't get me flowers because you really wanted to. Mm. So it's meeting loving actions with reasons why they weren't really sincere in their love. And it's changing that, and it's deciding, no, I am loved and I am lovable, and that my partner is expressing that. And every time we turn to our partner and say to that person, thank you, thank you for all the things that you do to show your love for me, it really only encourages that person to be more and more on going up there of their love rather than asking them over and over to prove it and they're usually wrong, that it's just after time, just tell that person, why do I even try? What's it matter? That they're not getting the trust that they want, so why even put forth the effort? It's when someone says, I have trust issues, which that's something I hear, you know, uh, clients saying sometimes that, you know, they have issues with trust. It's not really that they're not trusting. It's just that they're trusting their fear rather than in, in, uh, in love. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, I think that as we, as we grow up and as we develop, whether, whether we hear things at home or we hear things on the playground, we we take them as little people, as truth, as little people. We're not able to differentiate and say, well, I think that person said that critical thing they said because they have some unresolved family of origin-related issue they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. We <laughs> instead, we, <laughs> we take that on as, as though that person is really speaking truth to us and 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 we start to gather up these beliefs of worthlessness we gather up these beliefs of being this terrible burden we gather these beliefs up that that then our fear clings to and it's out of those beliefs that 
that we feel the way we feel, and we need to change what it is we believe at the risk of being wrong. We need to change what it is we believe, and the feelings will follow. It says, it, this is good, too. It says here, this is another card that relates to trust. It says, another's trust of us is the current measurement of their relationship with fear. It is to our integrity we must always be accountable and trustworthy. What another decides to do with their fear is theirs to decide. Yeah, yeah. It, what, what I said on that card is, is that another's trust of us is really a measurement of that other person's current relationship with their own fear. And the more one is embraced in their fear, then the less obvious trust they can have for us. Mm. And that it's our challenge to let go of fear and use another person's love for us as that measurement of what we're going to believe, rather than holding tightly on to that of which we believe and that of which we fear and try to force that other person to prove otherwise. It's just impossible. Mm. Uh, Byron Katie has a quote, uh, everyone loves you, they just don't know it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you get distracted with other things. Right, but they do, they They love you. Deep down, they love you, don't they? (laughs) That's right, that's right. And, and why not believe it? Why not believe it? Right. Well, and and here's a here's something about our love that you say. You say our love for another is most true when we don't require them to acknowledge it. That we use the opportunity of loving another for the richness and fulfillment of our own life's purpose. Otherwise, we'll give to another to do with our love as they will, as best serves them. That will be theirs. Ours is to love. So this is about really loving, no matter what the outcome. Oh, well put, Adam. That's right. That's right. That we love, that we love for the purpose of loving. We cannot control ever what another will do with that love that, that we express. But that we must be mindful that what another does with our love is really more about them <laughs> than it is at all about our love. Is it is it fair to say that it's completely about them? It is fair to say it is completely about them. Okay. Yeah. Very often what happens in relationships is is that if one doesn't feel our love, then we try to ramp it up. We try <laughs> to be more loving more yeah. of the time in more ways just to hear that other person say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, that was, but yeah, but and 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 we we need to cut that out and and we need to be self-accountable that we are responsible in this lifetime to love and what another person does with that love does not diminish at all or take away our responsibility to love. I'm 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 sure there's plenty of listeners who. You know, in their effort to embody awakening through love, which is probably the purest expression of our, of our self, our true self, our true nature, 
get caught up uh, in in whether or not the other person is going to receive the love that they're offering. And it sounds like you're saying uh, it's not it's that's none of your business. Yeah, yeah, that that that's right, Adam. That what is our business is that we unload the dishwasher in the spirit of love. <laughs> that we take the trash cans out to the curb in the spirit of love. We're going to do those things anyway. Why not do those things in the spirit of something, in the spirit of gratitude or in the spirit of love or in the spirit of care, mm-hmm. in the spirit of chari- charity, that 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 we we take charge of our lives that way and that we really let go of what the world around us will do with that of which we are. It's none of our business. That is about them, and it is ours to be compassionate mm-hmm. rather than defensive. Well, this sounds like a, a, a sort of a, almost radical ownership that you're asking people to take in their lives. Of Well, and I know you love to talk about ownership. <laughs> oh, I, I love I love this whole notion about ownership and personal accountability. And responsibility, too. And responsibility, because that is the line mm. that, that differentiates where I end and another begins. And that I know that I have done in my intent what I needed to do to be pure now frees me, instead of being defensive, to now be compassionate, mm. to hear that other person and to say, honey, I'm sorry that what I intend as love is received as something other than that of which I intend. What can I do? What can I do to help you feel better? And that's a better response than, you know, it doesn't matter what I do, Martha. It's never enough, is it? Huh? Never enough. And and we all know where that one's going to go. <laughs> That's right. I won't be asking for sex in the in the near future. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you you say that if we own who we are, we can change who we are, but we cannot change what we do not own. Yes, yes. You know it. And I think we're, we all know that, that, that we can change the oil in our car, that we can remodel our home. Mm-hmm. Well, same principle exists with ourselves. Yes. We, if we take ownership of ourselves, we can then change what we own. We change what we blame. Right. Right. You say too, and, and this I believe relates to this sort of loving without conditions or attachment to outcome or, or, you know, any responsibility for how the other might receive it. You say, my promise to you, you, this is beautiful. It says, I promise to give you all the love my heart can give. I promise to give you every word of encouragement, every act of support. I joyfully and selflessly and lovingly give you all that my life can give. And then one day I know that I'll, that I'll go. Knowing I will lose it, I still give all to you. All that matters is that I give. Look at that. 
Yeah, thank you, Adam. Thank you. It's quite a promise. Yeah. It, it it is quite the promise. You know, when we when we enter into relationship with another, we're really entering into making an investment of ourselves of 120 percent. Ultimately, ultimately, to lose that person, we will either lose them in our in our own death, mm-hmm. or we will lose them ultimately in their death. But while we are here and while we are together, I will give to you all that my heart can give for the sake of giving that love, no matter what, because you are the opportunity of which I choose to love, no matter, no matter, no matter the ultimate loss. It's a courageous, it's a courageous promise. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a, if, if, if there's anything that sums up, you know, the awakened life, uh, more clearly. We're going to go to our third break, uh, and, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Awakened Life right here on KKNW 1150 Alternative Talk. At the law offices of Richard D. Seward, we care about our clients. We offer important legal advice and services to help them grow their wealth and protect it. We manage the risks and help the financially distressed through the recovery process. We are committed and dedicated to helping people throughout Western Washington and beyond with our expertise in business, real estate, tax law, and debt relief. Find us at richardseward.com or call us at 360-876-6425. We care about you. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. And visit Deborah's website at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Hi, this is Adam Seward. And I'm Rick Seward. And together we have partnered to bring you Awakened Life as part of our commitment to supporting the unfolding of human and planetary consciousness. That's also why we decided to create the Awakening Foundation. What's the Awakening Foundation? The Awakening Foundation is a nonprofit organization that's designed to help facilitate the evolution of consciousness through the creation and distribution of what we're calling Awakened Media. We'd love to connect with you. For more information on the Awakening Foundation, go to adamseward.com. If you'd like to find out more or to talk with us about how you can support the mission, fill out the contact form and we'll get back to you right away. Thanks for listening to Awaken Life. We look forward to connecting with you. Hello, world. Welcome back to Awaken Life. Today we're talking to Greg McBride, counselor of 35 years, uh, author of the book Integrity's Insights, uh, which are the 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 deepest gems that he's gathered uh over the 35 year plus career that he's had sitting with clients um and and we're going through some of these today uh some of these 
tools, these real keys to living an awakened life that he's he's come up with, and what he calls living a life of integrity. Uh, so, Greg, uh, so far so good. Um, this is we're we're having fun, huh? <laughs> uh, this is wonderful. Thank you, Adam. So uh, before we uh, went to break, we were talking about ownership and responsibility and choice and so on. Uh, th- there's there's another quote from your book here that um, talks about a different type of ownership, um, a divine type of ownership, and I'm just going to read it. It says, um, would it make a difference at all if you decided that every beat of your heart, every breath that you took, every step that you walked, that all you did, all that you thought or felt, that it all, according to you, was of God? of God's will, even the decision to turn your life and will over to God's will, that would be of God as well. If you got out of your own way, would it make a difference? So this, uh, this is, uh, this is quite, quite the type of ownership, Greg. Yeah, thank you, Adam. I, um, I became a student of the 12th step at the young age of 12 when uh, a number of angels brought me to an Alatine meeting in Brentwood, California, where I found myself sitting in a room of 42 other teenagers who had, for whatever reason, an alcoholic parent, or in my case, two alcoholic parents in their lives. And I was introduced to this thing called the 12 Steps of Recovery, And they have been the backbone of my life for the 45 years following my first hearing them. And that card that you just read, Adam, thank you, it was really my integrating what the third step of the 12 steps meant to me. Step of the 12th step says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Well, what, what, what does that mean? Well, in practical terms, that meant on an average of 62 times a day, I acknowledged that no, this not of me. This is not my will, but this is of God. So I made the assumption that every breath I drew, every beat of my heart, Adam, every step I walked in the direction that I walked it, I decided was of God, that I would be inspired to do what was next and that I would be provided all that I would need at the exact moment of that need, not a moment too soon nor a moment too late, and that in this complete release of myself, I was now free to be open to everything in front of me in the present. And that is so wonderfully, delightfully free. <laughs> it, it's, it sounds like freedom from the stuff uh, you were talking about, too, in a sense. Yes, yes. And and by stuff, 
you know, freedom from our preoccupation with with um, my anger, preoccupation with my resentment, preoccupation with my hurt, and to be free entirely of that allows us now the freedom to be what lies beyond those elements of anger or hurt or resentment to those places now that become very apparent to us when we let go of the others that are involved with me. All addiction, all addiction starts at its root source of over-involvement with me, <laughs> me, my pain, and my bourbon. Sure. <laughs> my resentment, and my line of shame. <laughs> it all starts with me. Yes. And to let go of me is to let go of addiction. It's it's interesting how the 12 steps uh, so closely resemble, uh, you know, <laughs> or this aspect of the 12 steps so closely resembles the, uh, you know, the Buddhist idea of no self, Right. Yes. I mean, they yes. say, hey, there's no self. Give up the self. Give up the self-contraction or this idea of a, of a little me, you know, and, and wake up to, to who you really are, in a sense. Yeah, that, that's true. I had a, um, a professor uh, at Seattle University um, teaching a class in abnormal psychology. I used to tell this story saying I had an uh, an abnormal psychology teacher, and, but people got that confused with him, not the class. So I changed it. So and no, no, from my experience with psychology teachers, he he may have been abnormal also. <laughs> uh, but this guy was 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 actually quite normal in that that he turned on the overhead projector and up came the twelfth step, and he turned to the hundred and fifty of us that were in. Ticket Auditorium, and he said, in my 35, at that point in time, his 35 years of clinical practice, he'd never come across better psychology, better psychology yes. than post-12 steps. Yeah. And his point was, how, how do we sit in that chair as counselors and not, and not bring in at some point in time the word God? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there's no, you know, I've worked with a lot of addiction and I've seen a lot of people, you know, attempt to, to recover and fail. And I can say without a doubt that the single most effective thing that is out there for anyone who wishes to cover, recover from addiction is, are the 12 steps and are the, the resources in terms of, uh, you know, meetings and so on that are available. I've, so in my personal experience, I can attest to the fact that whether in my, you know, through my own practice, that uh, that there's no question that that's how people get better from alcoholism or drug addiction. Well, and, it, oh. yes, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and what you said about, you know, mentioning the word God, I mean, part of my perspective is that addictive behavior in many ways is really the soul's longing for that ecstasy Um that is is God. Uh, so you know, in in uh, one perspective would be that it's you know it's our it's our our longing, our inner longing for that place of union with God that that sometimes drives us into seeking that you know over and over and over again and, and in the wrong places. 
Yes, yes. I, I, I know that uh, uh, if we're if we're looking at alcoholism, probably the most well, not probably, but the proven, demonstrated um, um, uh, way of approaching or treating alcoholism is actually uh, with the shikshadal approach. Um, but but it. Which is basically, you know, you go in and you're you're you know wrung out and sort of hung up to dry in a sense. Well, it's pretty. It's it is a pretty severe form of treatment, but it has been demonstrated to be the most effective treatment there is. Stopping behavior. Mm-hmm. However, there beckons another question, and that question is: Now that I've stopped drinking, now what? Because Drinking um, promotes a certain um, way of thinking and living that incorporates that that relationship. So we've got to, we, if no matter how one stops an addiction, you've got to answer the question: Now what? What are you gonna? Who are you gonna be now? What are you? What are you gonna shift now that makes you better? than what alcohol used to give you. Because if you don't have something better, then ultimately you're going to go back to what you did have that at least felt somewhat good on your terms. And that's the 12 steps of recovery and down is is the answer to that question of now what. Greg, you your presence on the show today has been so... Uh... So helpful. I just, I just know for so many of our listeners, I just, we've, I, I just, I just want to take a moment now just to really say thank you for your willingness to participate with us today. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for inviting me. It was a real pleasure. Nice to meet you, Eric. Eric is the board engineer today. <laughs> thank you, Greg. Yeah. He did, he's doing a great job over there. And, you know, the, the mission of Awaken Life is to help people to wake up and show up in their lives. And, Greg, I just, you know these uh, the the four principles of integrity and these many insights are sure sure helpful. So thanks again so much for your time today. Indeed. All right. Take care. Talk. See you soon. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks everybody.
The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. Call in, connect, make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in, TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there.